Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. We do invite you to remain standing for the reading of God's Word as we begin our series on Jonah. These next four weeks, we're going to be in the book of Jonah, one chapter each week, and we begin here with Jonah chapter 1. Let us give our attention to the reading of God's Holy Word. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and call out against it, for their evil has come come up before me. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. So he paid the fare and went down into it to go with them to Tarshish away from the presence of the Lord. But the Lord hurled a great wind upon the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea. So the ship threatened to break up. Then the mariners were afraid and each cried out to his God and they hurled the cargo that was in the ship into the sea to lighten it for them. But Jonah had gone down to to the inner part of the ship and had lain down and was fast asleep. So the captain came and said to him, what do you mean, you sleeper? Arise, call out to your God. Perhaps the God will give a thought to us that we may not perish. And they said to one another, come Let us cast lots that we may know on whose account the evil has come upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell on Jonah. Then they said to him, Tell us on whose account this evil has come on us. What is your occupation, and where do you come from? What is your country, and of what people are you? And he said, I am a Hebrew. I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. Then the men were exceedingly afraid and said to him, What is this that you have done? For the men knew that he was fleeing from the presence of the Lord, because he has told them. Then they said to them, What shall we do to you that the sea may quiet down for us? For the sea grew more and more temptuous. He said to them, Pick me up and hurl me into the sea. Then the sea will quiet down for you. For I know it is because of me that this great tempest has come upon you. Nevertheless, the men rode hard to get back to dry land, but they could not, for the sea grew more and more temptuous against them. Therefore they called out to the Lord, O Lord, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not on us innocent blood for you, O Lord, have done as it pleased you. So they picked up Jonah and hurled him into the sea, and the sea ceased from its raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly. And they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And the Lord appointed a great fish to swallow up Jonah. And Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. So Lord Jesus, we just pray that as you speak to us, Lord, exactly where we are, right here, right now, that your truth, your goodness, your kindness, your love, your relentless love would fall upon us in the sanctuary, in our living rooms, on our patios, wherever we are, 
Whenever we watch this, Lord, may we be present with you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. So God told Jonah to go east, so naturally Jonah went west, right? This is a map of, of what it would have been like. So he was in Gat-Hepper, um, and so there you can see Nineveh. He would have had to have taken a journey up northeast, and instead he went all the way on sea on his way to Tarshish, doing the exact opposite of what God would want him to do. Now, this makes Jonah very human of, uh, of it, right? Somebody tells you to do one thing, and we tend as people to want to do the exact opposite of what that is doing. And so, kids, if you're watching um, at home, um, I'm going to invite you to kind of do a comic strip today with your different boxes. And so box one, I'd love for you to draw a picture of Jonah running away from God. Now, here, why, why did Jonah run? What was he doing what was going on. I think it is because we don't like being told what to do. I don't know too many people who are just like, I just love it when people boss me around all the time, right? And, and sometimes it doesn't even make sense for us to do the things that we're doing. I know um, sometimes in my family, I'll be doing something around the house and, and my wife, Heather, will, will say, well, Aaron, have you thought about doing it this way? This way is more efficient. It's better and it won't take as long. And I'll think about it, and I'll say, well, no, I like doing it my way, right? This is what we do. We would rather do something less successfully our way than do something more successfully somebody else's way. This is who we are as human beings, right? I mean, I've, I've moved, and I've helped different people move. And, and for a long time, I was convinced that moving was a show of strength, which meant that you had to, you know, just carry everything as much as you can to show people how strong you were, no matter how sore you got the next day. And then I saw a friend who, who moved stuff with a dolly and how much easier that was. Now, did I, did I start moving things in the way of a dolly? No, because um, I wanted to do things my way. But this is what we do. We all choose to do things our way instead of oftentimes doing things a better way or even God's way. So why is it that we as people react so negatively to being told what to do? I learned recently about a psychological theory called reactance. Now, this is the definition of reactance. It's an unpleasant motivational arousal that emerges when people experience a threat to or loss of their free behaviors, i.e., we don't like being told what to do, and so we reject it. And it doesn't often matter who it is. If it's a sibling, if it's a teacher, if it's a spouse, if it's a boss, we react negatively to being told what to do. And if God tells us to do something, we're going to react that way as well. And we're actually going to be less likely to do it. And so the story of Jonah is actually, I think, a really human story. Um, a prophet is somebody who speaks on behalf of God to the people. Now, the book of Jonah is actually a very different prophetic book. Most of the prophetic books that are, that are in the Old Testament, they are really sort of the words of the prophet, what God has told people to say, while the book of Jonah is really the story of a prophet, and, and really an unlikely and really not that good of a prophet in terms of doing what God said, but he does have a message for all of us. And I think often if we can find ourselves in the place of Jonah, we're going to learn a lot about ourselves and a lot about our God. And so over these next four weeks, and especially today, I invite all of us to put ourselves in the place of Jonah in the story 
and to learn from this. Now, what, what happens is, is that Jonah, God tells Jonah to go to the city of Nineveh. Now, it says Nineveh was a great city, great in size, but evil in behavior. It was not a city that was looked upon favorably by God and by God's people. And he told them to go and proclaim about that they needed to turn around because of the evil that they had done. Now, I don't know exactly why Jonah did what he did. It doesn't tell us a whole lot here, especially about why he went the other way. But I can guess that there might have been a couple of reasons why he would have went the other way. One is because if he goes to Nineveh and he tells a, this big city, you guys are doing it wrong, turn and follow God, one of the very likely scenarios is that he may be killed. They may say, I don't like your message, and so I'm going to just kill you because that's what we do to people who tell us stuff we don't like sometimes. Or the other thing that could happen is they could actually listen to Jonah and they could have mercy on Ninevites and these evil people might receive undue mercy from God. And so either way, Jonah doesn't seem to like his options and so instead he makes his own options. And so he goes away from the direction God tells him to go and he gets on a boat headed the opposite direction. Now, now, it's really interesting what happens because Jonah immediately goes and falls asleep. Apparently, resisting God takes it out of you, right? And so he goes and he falls asleep, and this big storm builds up in the middle of the sea. And so, kids, in box two, I want you to draw a picture of Jonah sleeping while the storm is going on. Now, now during this storm, there's actually some pretty symbolic clues that, that the early readers would have picked up on that you and I may not pick up on in the same way. But the Hebrews would have understood the symbols that were being communicated. One of the symbols that, that was given was the sea. Now, the sea was the place of chaos. It represented chaos and storms. It represented this dangerous place, an unknown, anything can happen kind of place. It reminds me of Oklahoma in the springtime and summertime, right? Like last night, I didn't expect anything, and then boom, all of a sudden we had this huge storm that happened. This is kind of like the sea. It's a place of chaos. And so one clue that we get from Scripture is that something chaotic, something dangerous is about to happen. The other clue that we get is actually Jonah going to sleep because sleep is a clue that God is at work, that God is doing something. And so in the beginning of our story in Genesis, we, we hear about the creation of Eve, and it says Adam fell into a deep sleep. In the book of, in the story of Abraham, right before God made a covenant with Abraham, it said Abraham went into a deep sleep. And so when it tells us that Jonah was asleep, and he was in a deep sleep, obviously, because this storm that was raging was so bad, they were throwing off their luggage and supplies. All right, I imagine they were screaming and yelling. I mean, I imagine the ship had to be just moving up and down, and yet Jonah is asleep through all of it. I imagine that a lot of us, we woke up last night in the middle of, of the storm at some point in time. Maybe some, anybody sleep through the storm? Anybody just, uh, I, see, I see a few of you are like, yep, I slept all the way through it. Um, but that was not me. This, this bad of storm would have woken up almost everybody. But it didn't wake up Jonah because it's a clue to us that God is at work. God is doing something. 
And what God was doing was changing the lives of everybody in that boat. Because these people, these mariners, these sailors, they were people who did not know God. They were all crying out to their own God, all crying out for help. And they believed that the storm was coming because somebody had done something to disobey God. And so they begin to try to figure out who it was. And so um, finally they, they wake up Jonah and then they, they cast lots. Now um, this is kind of like drawing straws to see whose fault it was. And so they drew straws and it ended up being Jonah's fault. And I love the series of questions that they asked him. What is your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? And of what people are you? These are the, are the questions that he asked. And this was the answer that Jonah gave. He said, I am a Hebrew and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this is the God of the dry land where Jonah was supposed to go to Nineveh, but also the sea that he was at. And so the people then, they, um, they, they asked him, what should we, what should we do um, be, because of your evil, because you're running away from God, what is it that we should do? And he said, throw me into the sea. Now, this may sound like a self-sacrificial act, but really, this was Jonah continuing to try to run and escape from God, that, that, that you might as well just kill me. But then the sailors did something that that nobody expected in which they tried to row, row, row their boat all the way back to the shore. And they rowed as hard as they could, but they were unsuccessful. And so kids in box three, I'd love for you to draw a picture of the sailors trying to row back to the shore. And after they were unsuccessful rowing and rowing and rowing, they finally decided to do what Jonah said to do which was to throw him overboard. But even when they did so, they, they still, they did so in believing who God was. Hear, hear what they said in the scriptures. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows. And so they, pl- they begged to God that God would show them mercy. And when they threw Jonah overboard and the sea settled, then they began to worship God. These people followed the God of Jonah, not really because of what Jonah did, but because of who God was. And so God showed them mercy by showing them himself. Meanwhile, he showed Jonah mercy in a very strange way. Because instead of drowning in the sea, he was swallowed up by a giant fish. And so kids in box four, we'd love to to see a picture of of Jonah getting swallowed up by the fish. And so Jonah is in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. And we're going to hear about what his experience was like there in the belly of the fish next week. But today we have to realize the fact that one of God's prophets was a runner. And instead of running with God, he turned and ran from God. And I think that this is something that many of us choose to do, is that many of us turn and run away from God, that God tells us to do something or is leading us in a direction or is calling us to grow in a certain area. And instead of saying, God, help me as I head in your direction, instead we say, no, thanks, God, I'm going this way and I am going to run away from you. But what this story tells us is that we can run, but we can't hide. And we can't run away from God. 
And this was something that the, that the Israelites knew, is that there was nowhere they could go away from God's presence. I love what Psalm 139 says. It begins in this way. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar not with some of my ways, not with most of my ways, but with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. And then he says these words. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If, my be- if I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea. I mean, this is what Jonah wanted to do, was to settle on the far side of the sea. Even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. You see, I think all of us have a little bit of Jonah in us. All of us have this tendency to want to run away from God's call. The God's call on Jonah was not an easy one. It required sacrifice. It required going somewhere he didn't want to go, which is often what God's call does, is it forces us to head in a direction. Maybe it's to people we don't like. Maybe it's to an area of growth we don't want to admit. Maybe it's to a behavioral change we know we need, but we're not ready to go through. God's call is always deeper. And we can run from it. God gives us that freedom. You see, we can run, but you can't hide. And God will always, always, always come running after you so that eventually we can run with him. One of our most famous stories, and one of the best parables we have, is this parable of the prodigal son. So many of us have heard this story probably many times. Maybe for some of us, though, we need to hear it again. Or maybe this is a new story for some of us. But in the the story that Jesus tells, he, he talks about a father who had two sons. And the younger son went up to his dad and said, Dad, um, I'd, I'd rather just have your money than your presence. Can I just have my inheritance and then do what I want to do? And so the father said, yes, he gave him his inheritance. And, and then his, his son went a long way off. And, and he squandered it in wild living, the, the story tells us. And, and he spent it all. And then eventually he found himself laying with the pigs, eating what the pigs ate, and realizing that this was his new life. And so he thought. He thought, you know what, I bet I could go to my father's house not to be a son, but to be a servant, because at least there's good food at the table. And so the prodigal son begins his journey back home. I can almost imagine that as he began that journey, that he, had, he was working out his apology. Have you ever done that before? You're like, okay, this is what I'm going to say. And then they're going to say this, and then I'm going to say this. And there, he's, he's working out his story, ready for his stern dad to look down on him and say, where have you been? I knew you'd squander it. But that's not who our father is. And that's not who the father was in this story. 
You see, one of my favorite lines in that story, it says these words, while he was still a long ways off. While he was still a long ways off, the father saw his son returning. And it said the father ran towards the son. He ran towards the son. And he gave him a big old hug. He gave him the family ring and he said, welcome home. And I just love this. And I imagine that every day the father would walk out first thing in the morning. And I just imagine him looking over the hill where his house laid and and just looking in the direction that his son was and was wondering, is today the day my son's going to come home? What I imagine is this is what God is doing with each and every one of us. That there are some of us who we have run away from God. Maybe some of us, that's all we've done our whole lives is just run away from God. Maybe some of us, it's in a very particular area or in a particular circumstance in which we've been running away from God. And, and, and all we have to do is to make one move and the Father is running after us, ready to embrace us. Ready to say, welcome home. Let's party. Because this is who God is. He's a God who runs after us, who will pursue us and will chase after us. He chased after Jonah. He ran after his son, and he'll run after you. His love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on you. Let us pray. So, Lord, we know that some of us in this room, Lord, we've ran from you. Sometimes we run because we're hurting so bad that we don't know what to do. We don't know, are you really good? Sometimes we run because where you've called us to doesn't seem like the picture we have for our own life. Sometimes we run because we're scared. Sometimes we run because we're selfish. Lord, for whatever reason we run, Lord, we, we then try to hide. Say, God, maybe you can't find me here, but God, we know your story and we know your truth. That you will never stop pursuing us. And you are waiting for the day for us to come home. And so, Lord, right now, right here, wherever we are in the sanctuary, in our homes, Lord, if there is somebody who is running from you, Lord, I pray that they would just run to you today. Lord, they don't even have to run. They just have to turn and say, here I am, because you're right there. And Lord, maybe there are some of us here who are running from something you're calling us to. And we need to say that today is the day that there's no more running. There's no more running from, but there's only running with. And today is the day I'm choosing to run with God. Wherever God leads me, I will go with him. So, Lord, may we be people who embrace you. And may we know your unfailing love that no matter what we've done, what we've said, what we've said to you, about you, about somebody else, Lord, that your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And so as we sing our, our 
closing song today. I just want to invite you, uh, if you're here, the altar is open and, and you're invited to come to the altar. If you want to run towards God, this is maybe a step of faith that you can have today to say, God, I'm choosing you in the midst of that. And also maybe there's, um, maybe you're at home and you're watching this. I just encourage you, if you need to hit your knees and just pray and say, Lord, I'm here to do that as well as we sing our closing song today. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.